This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. This is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thank you for joining us. Hola, bienvenidos. Mi nombre es Jorge. And that's about all the Spanish I have for this episode. But I do believe this is important. Currently, there are 53 million Latinos in the United States, or Estados Unidos. All right, now I'm done with my Spanish. There's so much to understand uh, about the audience language and culture and how to approach them on social media. Um, Today, we're talking with Matt Adler uh, from a company called Moss, and his specialty is in understanding and reaching this market. Uh, for organizations, and I think there's a lot to learn here, and I can't wait to jump into this conversation. And I'm thrilled to be here with Matt Adler, who's going to take some time and explain to us uh, a bit more about how we can think about uh, the strategies that we employ to engage Latinos in the U.S. and the Spanish-speaking market in general. Matt, tell us who you are and what do you do? Sure. Um, Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm based out of the D.C. area. I do uh, social media and communications in Spanish, English, or both. Um, I work uh, primarily with the nonprofit sector and cause communications. I love it. And so you must get this question a lot, but I'll start off. Hey, we're a small organization, but we want to reach the Latino market. How do we start, Matt? Sure. Well, I think the first thing that they did right is that they decided to reach the Latino market. Um, I think oftentimes organizations don't even get there. Um, so uh, even though it seems like a daunting task after that, I think it's actually great that they're, that they're on the right path. Um, because if you look at some of the statistics, you know, the Latino population in the U.S. is very large and it's growing fast. Um, it's projected to be about a third of the U.S. population by 2060. Um, so, you know, if you're not reaching out to Latinos, in particular in the United States, um, you're not, you, you risk losing about a third of the market uh, by 2060. So, you know, once they've, once they've decided, okay, I want to reach out to this population, I think the first step is to do some demographic research because um, saying you want to reach the Latino population is great, but you need to know who within that population you want to reach. Yeah. So give me an idea right now. You know, obviously 2015 just kicked off. What is the current market size for the Latino community in the U.S.? There are 53 million Latinos in the U.S. today, which I think this is a fascinating fact. Um, It is more than the population of Spain, Colombia, Argentina, or Peru, um, and is only behind Mexico. That's crazy. Uh, Holy cow. So wait wait a minute. (laughs) All right, so I've got my nonprofit, and the web guy totally tells me that the website can totally be read in Spanish. If somebody, you know, goes there, they can use like the Google Translate, and our website turns to Spanish. Like, isn't isn't that enough? Can't can't doesn't that cover how people will find it? Unfortunately, some people really do take that approach, um, and I've actually had to deal with this with clients to emphasize that Google Translate is not how you should translate your website. Um, it is great for looking up individual words sometimes, and even then it's kind of fraught. Um, uh, one client that I work with tried to uh, uh, translate a press release from English to Spanish using Google Translate and then showed me the Spanish press release, and I had to totally rewrite it. So don't use Google Translate. Um, so what you should do is this. Um, you know, My general approach is that there are three 
key elements to reaching the Latino population. You need to talk about audience, then language, then culture, in that order. And so before you get to the, the question of your website and how you translate it and what content you're using, you need to define your audience. Um, so if you're thinking about the, the, the Latino population in the United States, about two-thirds of the community is of Mexican origin, but you also have sig significant minorities from other countries. You have 9% are Puerto Rican, 4% Salvadoran, the same amount for Cuban, and a little bit less for Dominican. Um, and the reason I bring up this example is that even though Mexican-American is kind of the fallback, it's what most of us associate with the Latino population in the United States, these other communities are very concentrated in certain areas. So, for instance, um, uh, you're based out of New York. Um, you might have heard that Puerto Ricans and D Dominicans are very much the, the, the basis for the Latino community in New York, less so Mexicans. Um, I'm in D.C. There's a huge Salvadorian community and almost no Mexican-Americans. I mean, it's a very, very small community. So these are just a few examples. Um, but the point is, before you get to the language on your website, you need to talk about who you're targeting because these folks speak Spanish in different ways um, and they use different terms. Yeah, I bet. And so the initial trick, I guess, is that you – know, or the, the misconception is that like, oh, you all speak, let's say, English. You must all be the same. And you're like, well, wait a minute. If I, if I approach that for English and I defend my audience by just what language they happen to speak, we would be way off the mark, especially as we started to expand globally. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that that's the case, but I'm glad to hear you define it as audience, language, culture, and the nuances of how you then uh, approach messaging. And so your expertise is more around how we translate this to the social aspects. Is that correct? Yeah, um, so actually my background before I got into digital was in, um, was in uh, traditional media outreach um, as well as community outreach, which I, which I think is important because if you're doing digital communications with this population, you really need to understand the community. Um, and so I've been out on the streets knocking on doors. Um, I've also been dealing with Spanish language media. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a great way to prepare yourself to then dive in for the, the digital marketplace. Yeah, that's great. And can you, I guess, tell me what is, you know, aside from obviously a language barrier here, how does the Latino community in the U.S. treat social media differently? Are there different nuances to online behavior that you're like, whoa, 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 this won't work if you just translate it directly across? Yes, I think it's an excellent question. Um, there, there are a few things. One is... Obviously, language is a big deal when it comes to, to social media and the Latino community. Uh, even though increasingly folks who are born in the U.S., you know, second and third generation Latinos, become more English dominant, 74% of Latinos speak Spanish at home. So that means if you're thinking about doing Latino outreach, unless you're specifically targeting that younger um, uh, market that's born in the United States, it's more English dominant, you know, Spanish is really crucial. Um, so if you want to be reaching this community, by and large, you do need to consider using Spanish. Um, the other thing is that, particularly with regards to social, Latinos use social media more often and more actively than the rest of the population. Um, you know, 68% they're, they're, uh, of U.S. Latinos are on social media compared to 58% of the country as a whole. So... Uh, and that's that's from a, a great source, and just kind of to refer to some places where you can get data. Um, 
the Pew Center um, has a, uh, the Pew Center has a Hispanic Center. The Pew Hispanic Center it is fantastic. It has great data on uh, Latino demography, uh, but also specifically about social media and digital use. Yeah, I think it's important to understand the audience once you've uh, selected them, and I'm, I'm not surprised there are differences. But that sounds like some significant um, sort of usage usage statistics at the very least. Can you give me an example of like a uh, an organization you may have worked with to kind of bring them from zero to 50 miles an hour and what your approach was? One organization I work, work for uh, work with is the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Um, they're a uh, vegan health organization. They have a special program. It's an it's an email recipe program in Spanish where it's free to sign up and folks get recipes that are all vegan in Spanish. Um, it's called Vegetariano en 21 Días, which translates to uh, vegan in 21 days. And um, and so this program already existed before I came on board. Um, and, you know, they, they, they weren't really sure how to market it. And so one of the decisions we made uh, was that we were going to create a Facebook page to help promote the program. Um, now, again, com- coming back to that audience language culture piece, the audience before, before I, I was com- brought on board to, to publicize the program was originally targeted to be Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. But actually... This has changed over time to become Spanish speakers in many different nations. Um, so if you look, and this is just a fabulous source of data, since I know you love data, um, Facebook insights are actually great um, for this kind of stuff. Um, the top five countries on the Facebook page that was created to promote the email program uh, are Mexico, Argentina, the U.S., Spain, and Chile. So just in the top five countries, we're covering three continents. Um, so it's really grown. So that shows how your audience can really change over time. Um, and, and what's so fascinating about this is, um, you know, we don't see this as much with English, but Spanish is part of a very similar language family uh, where you have folks who speak Portuguese in particular or French, Catalan, um, Romanian even, where the languages are so similar that actually they can understand a lot of our content. So even though they weren't our original target audience, over 10,000 of our fans on Facebook speak speak Portuguese. Um, And so we're actually growing the audience to be really multinational and and multilingual, um, but still sticking to our our original program. But, you know, one thing is that language has to be adjusted, right? Because, you know, originally it was a Mexican and Mexican-American audience, so... Just to give an example, um, fresas is the, is the most commonly used Spanish word for strawberries. But since now Argentina is such an important part of our audience, we will also include frutillas in parentheses because that's what it's called in Argentina. Um, so our language has had to reflect the audience. Um, and since that changed, you know, when we're posting on social media, we try to be inclusive so that as many people as possible understand what we're talking about. So I've got a question um, just to jump in here. Sure, um, sure. You, you walked in, they probably had an existing English Facebook page. Did you just suddenly start adding multilingual posts or did you create a whole different section targeted at uh, Spanish speakers? completely different Facebook page, um, all in Spanish. And I think that's important. You know, again, it depends on your audience. Our audience ended up being very Spanish dominant. Um, again, if you're reaching that second and third generation, which is English dominant, or even has might u- utilize Spanglish, 
that's a different question. Um, and you might be able to pull off a, a bilingual approach. But with this audience, it's, it's Spanish dominant. And I think that's important because, you know, ultimately we wanted to give them their own sense of community and their own ability to communicate with, uh, with ease. And, and when they see that their language is being used, their mother tongue is being used, people feel more at ease. Um, they feel more willing to share. And if you think about what it's like to be vegan, I mean, I'm not personally vegan, but I think I can understand. It's pretty challenging. It's, it's, it's a tough diet, and it's much more challenging in Latin America and Spain than it is here. And so for these people, it's a real community, and if they didn't feel like they could share in their own language um, with each other, um, not just our posts, then I think it would be a little problematic. Um, you know, it, it depends on the organization what, what makes sense for you. But in our case, it made sense to have a separate Spanish page. Um, and actually, it's, it's, uh, it's got completely unique content. Um, it's, it's, you know, almost never overlapping with the English page. Kill queso. How did the how did the page perform? <laughs> um, it, it it was fantastic. It started with um, you know before I started managing it, there was a, about 800 likes on the page, um, and today, about two years later, we're at about 325,000, um, and I, it's just really taken off. And I think. Part of that is our content, and part of that is also the community that we've chosen to target. Um, you know, Spanish-speaking vegans is a very niche market, um, and when you think about it, that might be a challenge, but it's also an opportunity because these folks, like I was saying, don't really have the resources. Um, if you think about a city like San Francisco or New York or D.C., there are lots of resources for the vegan community. Um, when you're in Latin America or even some, you know, predominantly Latino areas of the United States, it's pretty rough. And so I think where there's, you know, it's about tapping into a real need that these people had. Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, just one more time, can you give us the name of the organization and how uh, our audience might be able to just find that one, uh, that Facebook page so they can see how you've done this? Sure. The, the organization is the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. It's PCRM for short. Um, the Spanish language Facebook page is called Vegetariano. That's like vegetarian with an O at the end. N E N. Veintiún, the number twenty-one días, uh, days. So vegetarian in twenty-one days, vegetariano and veintiún días, and uh, you can find that on Facebook. Um, if you're interested in trying the program, you can also just go to vegetarianon21ds.org. Uh, um, but it's a, it's a fantastic program, even if you're not vegan. Uh, lots of healthy recipes and all, um, you know, culturally appropriate. All right. So as, as we move to the end, I love sort of getting a, a larger sense of kind of your exploration as a, as a starting business. And uh, this question actually is, if you could go in a time machine... And scroll back to the clock to, to when you started uh, Moss, your, your current company. Uh, what is mm -hmm. some of the advice you'd give yourself as you waded into this market and your strategic approaches? What kind of advice would you be throwing uh, the earlier event? 
I think I would have put, um, I think I would have branded my business earlier. Um, uh, you know, I started doing this work when I was in grad school for communications and, um, I, I enjoyed working with the clients then, but I think it's important whether you're working with the Latino community or elsewhere that you have a brand that you represent, and that means a website, that means boosting your LinkedIn profile, um, your social media presence as a business. So I would have started that earlier, um, and I also would have um, I would have I would have done more more networking like we did at the you know NTC at the Nonprofit Technology Conference. Um, I think it's important to um, meet other people in the field, um, and as much as I love digital, uh, and, and I'm sure you do too, it's important to meet folks in person um, and meet, meet other people who are passionate about what they do, um, because that'll really lead the way both, both for your business and socially sometimes um, to new opportunities. Yeah, I do love the internet, but it's, there's nothing like uh, meeting somebody in person and just really weirding them out. <laughs> And then, and then cheap margaritas. So Yeah, so there's no substitute for that. Uh, the final thing I would love to get your advice on uh, is let's say we have an organization, you know, mid-level size in the U.S., and they're interested in reaching the Latino community. What are those initial, obviously besides hiring you directly, which we'll add some links to that, but uh, how, how does somebody get going and see if there's a there there, right? What sort of data can they look at? What first steps might they take to uh, approach this market? Sure. Um, there are a few sources that I really like. I mentioned before one of them, the Pew Hispanic Center. Um, there are two other sources that I recommend in terms of getting what I think is really important demographic data so you know whether it's you're working in a particular city, particular state, nationwide, you can find out who your community is. Um, this census is fantastic. Uh, census.gov. It is free, and there is tons of information about the Latino community there. Uh, find out if you're working in Delaware, you know, what you can find the nationality of Latinos in Delaware. Are they Mexican-American, Puerto Rican? You can find out the age, um, all sorts of interesting information. So cens the census is great, too. I also am a fan of Portada Online. Um, that's spelled P-O-R-T-A-D-A. Uh, and then the, the word online, um, that is a great website that shows a lot of marketing data about the Latino community, which can be helpful when deciding who to target. I think the overall question, though, is who do we want to be talking to? And the more specific, the better for getting started. So is it 18 to 34-year-old Latinos in Baltimore? Then you will, that will inform your entire strategy going forward. Um, so I think that's the that's the first question to ask. I think a lot of nonprofits jump to action before thinking about who are they talking to. Yeah, I want to agree there. Thank you for sharing those resources. Super tactical, super practical. Uh, as we leave you, how do people find you? How do people help you? Absolutely. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew P. Adler. Um, uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. My name is Matt Adler. Um, there are a few of us, uh, but um, you should be able to find me uh, by my company name. Um, and uh, feel free to be in touch by email, matt at mastrategies.net, and I look forward to being in touch. Well, Matt, I think I speak for the audience as I say, muchas gracias, señor. Uh, you've been very helpful. <laughs> De nada, muchas gracias.
There's a lot of hype right now and energy being spent on making sure our sites are mobile responsive. Are we mobile friendly? We want to make sure that we are accessible, that we are accessible to people no matter where they are with regard to device. I think the next wave that will be inevitably coming once we figure out that we have to make our sites mobile responsive and hopefully not iWatch responsive. The next wave is going to be about language uh, and the native language that our site is in. And you know what? As much as I do love our, you know, our internet lord and savior, Google, uh, I don't think Google Translate is going to cut it, which means we're going to have to pay attention to how we're translating our sites into the, the native tongues of the people we want to reach. Now, Matt shared a bunch of really great resources for understanding uh, demographic data that is available to us to understand our audience. And ultimately, I hope, uh, you know, this is the start of a conversation internally at your organization. You know how to reach out to Matt. And of course, you can always find more podcasting resources at wholewhale.com slash podcast. Lucky number episode 30 or 30. Thanks for joining us.